0: Welcome to Frontline Nursing, a podcast about frontline nurses in the COVID-19 era. Each month, we provide the tools nurses need to navigate the challenges they face during a pandemic. We will cover the state of the science, self-care, and other critical topics. My name is Dr. Raina Litorno, and I am your host. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Frontline Nursing. Today's guest is Ms. Nina Perez. Nina Perez earned her Master's of Science in Nursing from the School of Nursing, University of Alabama at Birmingham. She has over 30 years of clinical management and consulting experiences with not-for-profit and for-profit healthcare systems in urban as well as rural settings in many states. As a nurse executive, she has been successful in leading staff to provide exceptional, safe, quality care in exceeding financial goals, and in ensuring patient satisfaction. Nina has held positions as emergency department director, night shift supervisor, director of medical surgical nursing, and chief nursing officer. She has consistently garnered the support of her nursing staff, hospital staff, and medical staff who have worked with her to achieve the organizational goals. In her consulting practice, Nina was key in domain development of clinical information systems. She now specializes in transition and turnaround work, performing assessments and implementing interventions to improve clinical operations for major healthcare systems. She often serves as an interim chief nursing officer to begin the transition to the hospital's vision and goals. Nina has been successful in implementing nurse residency programs, which increased new graduate recruitment and reduced first year turnover. Nina served our country as a military reservist for 20 years, retiring at the rank of Colonel. Her stellar service includes real-world deployments and command positions. She served in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia in the Air Transportable Hospital, where she coordinated the air staging facility for the Southwest Asia Theater as commander of the 908th Aeromedical Evacuation Squadron, United States Air Force Reserves, She was responsible for directing and managing all AES personnel and programs, assuring optimal combat readiness. As a lieutenant colonel, she served as chief nurse for the 187th Medical Squadron, Alabama Air National Guard. And as the first lieutenant, she served in the Army Field Hospital Army Reserve. A flight school honor graduate, she received the health services inspection outstanding rating for medical readiness. NIDA, is also, most recently, co-founder of Trumont, a nurse-led company that offers new graduate transitional residency and professional apprenticeship programs for nurses. Welcome, Nina. You have quite a career. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Frontline Nursing. Nina, I'd like to jump right into my first question. You have decades of experience as a nurse leader and a nurse executive, as we've just heard. Can you tell us more about your role as a chief nurse and what are your responsibilities as a chief nurse?
1: Thank you, Raina, for having me here today. It's a pleasure to talk with you and to share about my experiences and about Trumont. Um, Your first question was about the role and responsibilities of a chief nurse, and I can say with confidence that the chief nursing officer is responsible and accountable in setting the direction of nursing and for achieving quality patient outcomes. In that role, the chief nurse serves on the executive team of the hospital where he or she contributes to the hospital direction and the organization's goals. The chief nurse will uh, communicate the vision of nursing and help develop her team of leaders so that vision can be realized. The chief nurse is an advocate for patients and for the staff, and a promoter of not only safety but also for evidence-based practice. And most importantly, the chief nurse is a role model and a mentor. That sounds like a
0: lot of responsibility. Thank you for explaining that, Nina. And. In your role as a nurse leader, as a chief nurse, and as a nurse executive, you've been very successful in leading staff to provide exceptional, safe, quality care. You've been very successful in helping organizations exceed their financial goals, and you also play a major role in ensuring patient satisfaction. Can you tell us a bit about how do you do this? What are some of
1: your strategies? Raina, many, many years ago, as a young leader, I read a book by William Bridges, it's called Managing Transitions. And basically, in that book, it talks about how it's not the change that will do you in, but it's how you manage the transition of the change, where there are stages of change, you have the ending, the losing, and the letting go, and you have to work through those stages. And most importantly, what I learned and took away from that book was The four P's of a change uh, process where you have to share the purpose of the change. You have to communicate and paint that picture of what the new is going to look like. You have to have a plan for the change and communicate the plan. And then you have to let people know what is the part that they will play in the change. And then you communicate, communicate, communicate. And whenever I've introduced something new and I've struggled with a transition, I could always go back and see that one of my peas was weak and not well developed and are not executed well. So that's really when I try to lead change and introduce something new. I always go back and make sure that I have my peas well planned out and that I communicate and then communicate again and then follow up with another communication. Uh, I also ask about any barriers and i talk to the staff that they might see why uh, the change might not be successful. And then I eliminate those. I know one time I had rolled out bedside shift report and over time we had drift and it ended up being shift report outside of the patient's room and even sometimes shift report at the desk. And so I did a restart, a reset and reset the expectation that bedside shift report would be done at the beginning of every shift and it would be done at the bedside. And so when I did the reset, one thing I added was I went and asked the staff, what were the barriers from keeping us from doing it? every time at the bedside. And I got feedback that we had added a lot of things to bedside shift report that made it very long and all. Like one example was we had added that both nurses would do a complete uh, skin assessment. So we went back and took our bedside shift report back to how we rolled it out initially with the expectations and, and it was successful. So listening to the staff on why something might not be successful, has helped me well when I rolled out things. Thanks for using that as an exemplar, Nina. And I think that a lot
0: of our listeners can probably relate to your exemplar bedside shift report or new policies and procedures that are happening at the bedside. And sometimes when we roll them out, our outcomes may not be what we originally intended or desired. And listening to the staff and making changes based on their feedback seems to have made your strategy very successful. So in your experience leading others through change and transition, in addition to the exemplar you provided with the bedside shift report, how else do you acquire the support of the nursing staff and the support of your interprofessional colleagues? You mentioned communication. Are there other strategies that help you acquire their support?
1: I think first, if you put the patient in the center of all decision-making, people can find a common ground. Uh, and that's what I do. If the discussion's going off or people are not focused or going in different directions, I've always found if I can lead the discussion back, why are we discussing this item and what is best for the patient, that everyone can find common ground. Uh, and also involving that frontline staff, just like I spoke about, they really know what's going on, they know what they need, and they really want to provide what is best for the patient. And as a team member with my colleagues, I try to be a good team member. I try to listen and be supportive. If my CFO or CEO has a project they're working on, I try to role model and be a a good team member to help them meet their needs. Thanks, Nina.
0: Thanks for especially saying that your recommendation is to listen to the frontline staff and the frontline nurses. And we're hearing a lot right now as we're listening to mainstream media or social media. We hear a lot from nurses, I think, saying that they want to be listened to, they want to be valued for the hard work that they're doing, and they want to be cared about in ways other than than just, hey, good job, or putting signs up that say heroes work here, which I am sure is very well appreciated. But how else, as a nurse leader, can you demonstrate caring about your staff? Do you have any recommendations or strategies that you've implemented that demonstrated caring about the nursing staff?
1: Thank you, Raina. I think what's worked well for me is uh, being visible and being engaged around daily in patient care areas, uh, also around uh, at night and on the weekends. And that means a lot to staff to, uh, to see your face, to check on them, to see how they're doing. And as I round, I listen, I encourage the nurses to speak up. I want to know what they're thinking. I want to know what they need. One thing I, I believe in is for the nursing team to have a brief in the morning. Uh, So I encourage that for the team to get together, make sure everyone knows each other, make sure they talk about the plan for the day. They know who who to call if they need something. And then near the end of the shift, and this is one thing that's hard for nursing to do, is to have a team debrief a couple of hours before the end of the shift so they can capture what went well. Because if something went well, we want to repeat that and learn from it so it can become a habit. And also to capture those opportunities that we can learn from and capture those opportunities in a way that they can be communicated to others that may need to get involved and provide them with what they need. I know uh, one time I was rounding later in the afternoon and I just, the nurses, most of them were at the desk. So I asked them, could we debrief and go through the questions and all? And the secretary had shared with me that she had to walk 66 steps to the next unit to retrieve discharge paperwork on a patient that was being discharged because the printer was broken. And so that meant if she was gone, that the nurse had to stop and answer the phone. It meant that there was a delay in the patient being discharged, waiting for someone to retrieve the paperwork. And it meant that the patient that had been waiting in the ED was delayed on getting up to the room because the patient had not left the room. So I was able to get a new printer for them. And I was able to help them uh, see how if they took time to debrief and then left a note because we had a board uh, on the unit where they would post items that came up in their debrief that as I rounded, I could look at that board and see what their needs and all were. I also think uh, as a chief nurse, creating a healthy work environment where everyone treats each other with respect, not only in their actions, but also their words and provide the opportunity for uh, the staff to grow and to advance. Uh, and I think that starts with having a structured onboarding process for your new graduates as we transition them from the academic setting into the work practice. I really enjoy developing the charge nurses. A lot of times that's the first leadership uh, position and helping them understand what a difference they can make and guiding that shift to shift work for the patient and for the staff that are working with them. I agree,
0: Nina. Thank you. Having that open communication and being able to develop our nurses into the roles that they're going to be moving across their career is critical and very important. And I appreciate you giving us the example about rounding on your nursing staff and seeing something that may be as simple as this printer is broken, but the implications and the ripple effect that it has on all of patient care throughout the organization is huge, right? So listening to that staff member during their debrief and listening while you're going around on the units, I bet your staff is very, very happy that you do that and very thankful and grateful. So I hope that if you could tell us a little bit more about when you round on the nursing staff during the day's shifts and the off shifts, and you ask about their needs, have you noticed a difference in the nurses' needs during the present time compared to pre-pandemic? And if you have noticed a difference in their needs, what are the differences?
1: I would say what I have seen, nurses certainly have been leading the way, have just done outstanding, remarkable work. You know, they've been not only the caregiver But they've been the family, they've been the pastor for the patients, they have spent so much time at the bedside because people were frightened, they were lonely. And I think it's been very rewarding for the staff from what I see and experience. And being recognized, I think, has been important for for the nurses and knowing that someone's there that's listening to them and getting them what they need i tell you what I have seen uh, that I'm so proud of is nurses supporting each other. I know during the holidays, people were working together so that everyone could have some time off. And now people are working together during the summer now to make sure that everyone has time to take vacation and all, picking up extra shifts or changing their days so that everyone can get the time off. So that's something I'm just very proud of, that how we're supporting each other. And helping each other have that time away. I think
0: that's something that we're known to be really good at in our profession is to support each other. And thanks for bringing that up and and identifying that strength in nurses. And I think that gives us a good transition to talk about Trumont, your company, because the foundation of Trumont is nurses supporting each other. You as a nurse, lead with the co-founder, Dr. Lynn Peoples, another nurse. The two of you got together and started a nurse-led company that focuses on apprenticeship programs for nursing. Can you tell us a bit more about Trumont, please?
1: I'll be happy to, uh, to tell you about Trumanda. Uh, it is an innovative, blended learning experience that occurs both online and on-site. And it is a apprenticeship program for RNs. You know, Lynn and I had both been practicing chief nurses and we were living in the world of what the research was telling us that there was an academic practice gap. And when you say that, you may want to say, well, who was to blame for that? Was it the colleges and universities? Or was it the hospitals receiving the new grads? And it's really that no one was to blame. It's no one's fault. It's just the, the way that things are when you're educated and trained, and then you, you go into the, the work environment. Physicians have a residency that they go into once they complete their formal training. And what we saw was that a lot a lot of hospitals had developed residency programs, but there was still an issue with that first year of practice, and nurses were becoming frustrated. You could see how frightened they were in those first few weeks and the first few months. And many were leaving nursing in the first year. So what we did was we assembled an expert group of not only experienced nurses and leaders, but also educators and instructional design professionals who created programs for us to address the gap. And the Tremont program addresses three major areas of the gap, the first being the clinical, the second, the culture transition, and then the patient ownership. And in the clinical side, what we developed were the modules that covered an overview of the clinical knowledge based on body system. And it's really a knowledge check. Uh, It reminds the nurse, uh, this is what I learned in school about a particular system. These are those critical points. The things that they may see in their first week of being a nurse, their first six months, or, or maybe it's not even in their first year, but it's things that they need to be able to respond to. And we also discuss the harms associated with the different body systems and how it can be prevented. The uh, culture transition covers things like healthcare policy and ethics, communication, teamwork. Uh, How do you work with different generations, change management, and really helps the new person transition into the healthcare environment, into the hospital, and help them feel more comfortable fitting in to the people that they will be working with. Now, the patient ownership covers leadership and also how to be a good team member, how to delegate, system thinking, project management and evidence-based practice. And our goal is we want the nurse to understand how they can make a difference. And I think that's what it's all about. Nurses want to take care of patients. They want to grow in their profession and, and they want to make a difference. One thing that we did was we developed discussion forums with our case study presentations, where we asked the nurse to share an experience or a thought on a topic related to the case study, and then also to comment on another nurse's post. And it's just been so heartwarming to read their comments and to see how they're supporting each other, what they're learning about themselves, what they're proud of, of what they're accomplishing. And what we want to do is to create that bond of support so that they recognize that they have a support system and they can lean on each other. We don't want anyone to feel like they're out on an island and there's no one to help and they're the only ones going through the experience that they may have had. Uh, We also developed a preceptor mentor program where we are providing some guidance to those nurses that are precepting. And mentoring the new nurses and that covers adult learning uh, communication how to give feedback and we've had a lot of positive feedback from our preceptors and mentors that have completed that program and what's interesting is it they say and tell us that it's not only going to help them be a better preceptor and mentor but it's also going to help them be a better nurse
0: I think that's a really important piece of it, of the apprenticeship program that's offered by Trumont and what makes it really stand out different from nurse residency programs that are implemented in many hospitals across this country is the specific coaching and support for the preceptors and the mentors, because we know their job is very, very valuable. And it can also be almost burdensome to try and take care of yourself during the shift, take care of your patient, ensure patient safety and quality, and then take care of your new graduate nurse also. It's a lot to ask of one person. So to be able to support them and offer resources for preceptorship for the preceptors and the mentors is invaluable. So thank you for doing that, Nina. And I think that a lot of people probably have heard or may be familiar with nurse residency programs as a way to train new nurses in the healthcare settings. And they may not be as familiar with nurse apprenticeship programs. Can you tell us a little bit more about either similarities or differences between the residency program and apprenticeship program, or maybe specifically focus on what are your desired outcomes of a nurse apprenticeship program?
1: with the apprenticeship program we are also focusing on the mentor piece of that where it expands a whole year or so Once they complete the clinical validation part, which the preceptor helps them with, then they have a mentor for 12 months where the mentor is really their cheerleader, their coach, someone that they can go to, to talk about what's going on. So I think that's an important piece of being a mentor. And with the apprenticeship program, the onboarding is not only with the preceptor checking them off on skills but it's taken them back going through those clinical modules and helping them build that confidence that yes, I did learn things in school, I am prepared, building that confidence that I am ready to step into the role of a nurse, and I'm not alone. I've got my preceptor here, the preceptor is now trained on how to guide them and give them feedback, and then hand them off to the mentor for the next 12 to 14 uh, months. Uh, we are have the RN apprenticeship in four states now. We're in Florida, New Mexico, Arkansas, and Iowa. And we also not only have the RN apprenticeship, but we have a women's ambulatory health apprenticeship And we also just found out last night that we have been approved for a home health aid apprenticeship also. What we want, our desired outcomes, bottom line, is that we want to contribute to excellent patient care by developing not only competent nurses, but also confident nurses, and also helping them see how they can make a difference and what a rewarding career they will have as a nurse.
0: Oh, oh my gosh, Nina, congratulations on the late breaking news. Uh, another occupation that can be added to the Trumont apprenticeship program list. That's fantastic. So not only is Trumont focusing on newly licensed registered nurses and or new graduate nurses, but they're also focusing on specialty areas such as women's health. And now you're expanding into home health and just really looking at I think, changing our healthcare industry to better serve our patients. So thank you for all that you're doing with Trumont. And thank you again for talking to us about the mentoring that the apprenticeship program is providing to the new nurses, new nurses into the profession and new nurses into new roles. That mentorship is, again, going back to nurses supporting each other and making sure that we're going to ensure success in our profession. So thank you for all that you're doing with Tremont. Trumont and in your role as a nurse leader and a nurse executive and a chief nurse at so many institutions across the country. Do you have any final thoughts that you wanted to share with our audience?
1: I would just like uh, Raina to thank you for the opportunity to be here today and to talk about Trumont and people can visit us at Trumont.org. And also just to give a, a thank you to everyone that supports our nurses, you know, uh, that would include their families, their parents, spouses, and children, all of our educators that prepared them for a very rewarding career, our hospital leaders that's providing a healthy, safe work environment, and also to our patients and family that show appreciation and words of encouragement and all. And just a big heartfelt thanks to all of our nurses out there. They truly are the best.
0: I agree, Nina, you being one of them. So thank you again for joining us on this episode of Frontline Nursing. And teaching us so much about the role of nurse executive and the place for apprenticeship programs within nursing and the healthcare industry. So thanks again, Nina. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Frontline Nursing. This podcast is made possible thanks to generous funding by Florida philanthropists, Mr. David Kotak and Ms. Christine Slesinger. If you liked this episode, please check out our educational series, Frontline Nursing During COVID-19. A New Paradigm, presented by the University of South Florida College of Nursing. The Frontline Nursing program is designed to give frontline nurses the tools they need to advocate for their safety and well-being during the COVID-19 pandemic. Nurses may receive four CEUs at no cost, thanks to funding from our generous donors. For more information, email us at frontlinenursing@usf.edu. at usf.edu. This is the podcast that frontline nurses need i